Good Monday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. Pleasure to connect with you through the I Love Seville network on a Monday afternoon in downtown Charlottesville, a show presented today by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. The show dynamic, you, the viewer and listener, can watch and listen to the program. It's legitimately live on every social media platform. And we encourage you, the viewer and listener, to participate in the discussion. Um, a couple news and notes that I want to get out there. Neil Williamson and Sean Tubbs, friends of the program, are hosting a live debate on Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock at Hillsdale, the conference center. Um, this live debate is, is a showcase of the council candidates that are running for office. We will know who will be our counselors for the next four years the evening of June 20th, which is the Democratic primary here in Charlottesville. Pay, um, uh, Sean Tubbs and Neil Williamson have all the candidates, Cooper, Oshrin, Snook, Payne, and Fenwick um, at Hillsdale for a live debate. And they want you to ask questions. If you send them the questions, they'll re relay them to the counselors. So this is a good opportunity to get to know the folks that are running for office. Let's go to... Um, Two items of note that I want to get out there. Um, Piedmont Place in Crozet, which had a pretty catastrophic flood. Remember when the temperatures, I think it was end of last year, early of this year, were in like the single digits, and with the wind chill, it was below zero degrees for an extended period of time in central Virginia? Well, that wind chill... Um, busted a lot of pipes in Piedmont Place and caused significant damage in a very um, popular building in, in Crozet. This building's going to open later this month, which is very exciting. Um, the hotel suites with Piedmont Place will open May 15th, and the retail establishments later this month after the hotel suites open. So that's fantastic for Crozet. A lot of people count on this building for having fun, for eating, for entertainment on the weekends in particular. All right, let's go to the two shot. We'll welcome Judah Wickhauer to the program. He's a director and, frankly, a, a man with valuable perspective. <clears throat> um, Zyanna Bryant in the uh, crossfire. Daily Progress writes an article. This made national news. This was in the New York Post. Yeah. Um, it was in the, uh, what was the Libertarian magazine? Was it, was it called Reason? Is that what it was? The Libertarian yeah. magazine? Yeah. And make sure we have the lower third, if you could, on screen. Um, why don't you set the stage? The magazine's called, that's, this is where it first started. This story first started getting traction from a Libertarian magazine called Reason. Then the New York Post picked it up. Now the Daily Progress has published it in yesterday's edition. It's Sunday edition, and this is legitimately going viral. The protagonist, maybe the antagonist, depending on how you look at her, in this particular story is Zyanna Bryant. She's most known for the press conference she hosted in Market Street Park, then Robert E. Lee Park, where she, in a press conference, indicated to... Um, the media in attention at the park, in attendance at the park, that the Confederate statue, the R.E. Lee statue, um, made her very uncomfortable in her home. And this was her home, meaning Charlottesville. And this was very much the first um, flip, if it's a flip book of events that happened. That was the first flip of events, the first 
event that in a lot of ways led to um, statue removal, government involvement, protests, August 12, 2017, KKK visiting Charlottesville, global national news. The first event in that very dark day of history for Charlottesville, Virginia, was in a lot of ways the press conference. A young Miss Bryant, while in high school, while still in school, um, in, in, in R.E. Lee Park, now Market Street Park. Now, let's go forward in the future. You jump in. There's a protest July 17th, 2020, so about three years ago. This protest, a Black Women Matter protest organized by Charlottesville Beyond Policing. This protest happens downtown. You want to jump in? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> from, uh, from what, what's been reported, there was a, there was a woman who drove up. In her Subaru. Yeah, and um, and after coming around a what a, a dump truck, a uh, some type of truck that was that was in the way, she uh, made a comment, which uh, apparently nobody really heard, and was uh, turned into, uh, well, it was uh, labeled hate speech, uh, without having a clear record of what the statement even was. And uh, subsequently, the uh, woman's life was basically torn apart and ruined uh, because somebody didn't like her. UVA student pulls up to the protests in downtown Charlottesville on July 17, 2020. The UVA student who pulled up a white female... She says, and I would imagine in retrospect, she would have chosen her words differently. She says at the scene to the truck driver um, that if you were not here, that these folks would have made good speed bumps. Something along those lines. Okay, I'm reading it verbatim from the newspaper. There were people sitting I'm reading it verbatim from the article. Okay. Okay. She said if the truck driver was not here, the protesters would have made good speed bumps. Because there were people sitting in the road. Protesting. They were protesting in the road. They were protesting with the word. Zayanna Bryan overheard this. She overheard somebody else state what they heard her say. Next thing we know, she utilizes her influence in person at the protest, her influence on social media her influence at the University of Virginia to, in a lot of ways, drive a lot of attention to this UVA student who's now an alumni named Morgan Benninger. Not just drive attention to it. Bryant was the one that, uh, that was the accuser in the was U- UJC yep. case. That's exactly right. University Judiciary Committee case. Long story short, this white female UVA student goes before the UJC, she's expelled, but she's expelled in a way that allows her to finish her education. Expelled in abeyance. Expelled in abeyance. She's allowed to finish school, but there's a demerit on file. Yeah. She gets outed by many in the university community, gets labeled by many in the university community um, as a racist, and spends much of her college career Dealing with this, yeah, 
Now she is um, drafting a lawsuit against the University of Virginia. Interestingly, is not naming Miss Bryant in the lawsuit. Extra investigation into this scenario has found that the UVA student, the white female, Morgan Bettinger, while she said this, she did not say this in a, um, according to the investigation, in a, um, how would you characterize what I'm trying to say here? Well, uh, the, uh, the UJC panel or jury actually agreed with her version of things and still somehow found her guilty. Uh, and anybody that, uh, anybody that reads the, what she said, um, anybody that hears what, what you just read was her, was her statement not to the protesters. No, to the truck. But to the truck driver. Yeah, she said to the pickup Any- truck driver that was blocking the protesters, protesters, protecting the protesters, to the truck, the guy in the truck, if you were not here, these people would have made good speed bumps. Yeah, basically saying if you weren't here, these people sitting in the road would probably be, would probably end up getting run over. I guarantee you she regrets making that comment. Yeah, no doubt. But what furthers, what furthers this narrative or what Bryant utilized to further the narrative um, in a lot of ways was um, you, you got a white female at UVA, daughter of a police officer. Oh, yeah. At UVA. A police in, in, in July of 2020 are, are, in some people's eyes, I mean, this is... This is she marks off all the checkboxes of, uh, of traits that make someone acceptable to, uh, to tear down and well, destroy. And here's the nitty-gritty. <clears throat> and here's why we're covering this. After further investigation, it's, it's been found that Morgan Benninger was not looking to racially attack any of the protesters after all. In fact, her conversation with the truck driver was in some ways interpreted um, through extra investigation as just a discourse she had with the man in the seat of the truck, in some ways insinuating a thanks to him for being there. And it leaves the question now Cancel culture tried to cancel Morgan. Cancel culture was wrong trying to cancel her. How do we respond to those leading the cancel culture charge who were completely incorrect? And in some cases lied. Explain the lying part. I mean, if you read through the... I read it. The Reason article... Explain it to the viewers and listeners. It's pretty clear that... uh, It's pretty clear that uh, Bryant... made up at least some of what she was, uh, some of what made up the bulk of her accusations. Uh, she never heard Bettinger say anything. Her reaction, her uh, choice to, uh, to pursue and confront Bettinger seems entirely contingent on her filming somebody saying what they thought they heard Bettinger remark. Yeah. This is not a good look. And yet she went ahead with the, uh, with the accusations before the UJC and had several people contradict her version of events. And, uh, I mean, just the whole... This is not whole, a good the look. The whole pursuit of Bettinger 
smacks. Uh, I mean, we we talk about hate speech and racism. That's exactly I feel like what was uh, what was perpetrated against Bettinger. She was attacked because she was white, uh, daughter of a policewoman, policeman, yeah. daughter of a policeman. I mean, Hate speech. Proud daughter of a policeman. Hate speech refers to offensive discourse targeting a, an individual based on inherent characteristics such as race, religion, or gender. And this is, this is all of that. I mean, you know, targeting her because her father is a cop who died years before, uh, years before this took place. Uh, I mean, it's just... Uh, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth. And then to find out that the school refuses to... Uh, Jim Ryan... To ref- walk back. Ref- ...refuses to clear her uh, demerit. Yeah. Her uh, expulsion. Just, uh, it's, a, it's a bad look all around. It's a bad look. This is a national story, and it should be a national story. This is basically what happened in, a, in less than 60 seconds. You had a Black Women's Matter protest in downtown Charlottesville. You had a truck parked in a way to protect the protesters who were in the middle of the road, some sitting down in the road. Yeah. You had a Subaru drive up to the protest coincidentally. This Subaru driver was a UVA student who was a white female. Her father, a police officer. She makes the comment outside the window to the man in the truck who's protecting the protesters. Sounds like she'd gotten out of the car. She made the comment, it's a good thing you're here or these people would be speed bumps. Speed bumps. That comment was overheard. That overheard comment got back to Zayana Bryant, the social justice activist from Charlottesville who had the press conference in Lee Park years ago about the statue. She then took this, these circumstances, she brought them to a judiciary committee at UVA. She did more than that. She I mean, utilized her social media influence, her in-person influence, to its furthest, strongest, and most robust capacities mm-hmm. to bring negative attention to this UVA white female. After significant investigation, they found that the UVA white female did not say these comments about the protesters in a negative light, but instead made the comments to the truck driver almost with a sense of gratitude for him being there to protect the protesters. So now we're left with this. What kind of accountability measures, if any, the Zayana Bryant face. None. She's doing great. Literally, by all accounts, none. she faces none. And she faces none. The sad thing is, <clears throat> uh, you know, everybody. Zayana, Zayana Bryant has been labeled a social justice warrior, and this is completely lacking in justice. And the fact that it continues is just. Uh, it's horrible. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. Um, today's culture is so quick 
to jump to the first conclusion. Yeah. And as we jump to the first conclusion in 2023, we do it on social media most likely. And when we do it on social media, we then are galvanizing and rallying our network to join in on the conclusion. Yeah. And when what is being deliberated or what is being focused upon is essentially two young women's reputations here. The first was a white female student who, if you, if you read what she's writing and describing, her time at the University of Virginia was hell. Was absolutely miserable. She had to borrow a, she had to borrow some, I think an uncle's car for a while because people were. She had to literally, as a student at UVA, live in some circumstances anonymity because she was labeled a Nazi and a racist. And she was labeled a Nazi and a racist in a turn of events that she never intended to, to, to go about with any nefarious intentions. She never went about this nefariously. Yeah, I mean, there was... And the investigation just su- suggests that. Is there now going to be a new co- uh, category in the honor code for this type of behavior? Explain. Like, if you go to the police and you file a police report about a crime and that crime never was committed, yeah. that's a crime. Yeah. I would Can certainly you go think that to the would go station. against the. I think certainly think that would go against the university's uh, honor, honor code. code. That's my point. If you go to the police station and file a police report about a crime, and that crime never happened, you who filed the crime about the fake crime have then committed a crime yourself. Yeah. If you're a University of Virginia student, and you make an honor claim about something that never happened. Mm-hmm. Are you not committing an honor violation yourself? Yeah. I sincerely want to know. I, I mean, I would, I would label it that way. If you make a claim on another student that that other student committed a crime, and saying that if you weren't here, I'm going to drive through these people and make them speed bumps, is basically saying you're threatening people. That's saying that the student was threatening the protesters. Yeah. But if that didn't happen, are you then committing an honor violation yourself at UVA? I would think so, if you're lying. And here's another question. If the shoes were re- reversed, would we be holding, if it was Morgan in the other shoe, would we be holding her accountable in a different way than Zion is being held accountable right now? Probably. Probably. I also think the university would be bending over backwards to uh to, to make, fix it to fix what happened with the trial 100 percent, 100 percent. albert grave says it was a lie and it damn sure sounds like it lying is an honor code violation at uva it still is 100 yeah. percent. albert graves does anyone choose to pursue that path or is everyone so fearful of the backlash of pursuing that path that we'll just remain quiet. Uh, I mean, that's the way it's looking. The way it's looking right now 
is UVA is so fearful of pursuing a social justice advocate who looks like she lied. And even not the, only lied, but potentially ruined the for the college career of another student. Well, yeah, she's a. She, uh, I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know if she's applied anywhere, but I know that she's afraid to uh, to further her college career after this. You can make a legitimate argument. In a lot of ways, this has ruined her. This has ruined her professional chance. Potentially, potentially ruined her her chances at getting a job. Yeah. Because if you Google Morgan's name, I, I want you to Google Morgan Benninger, B-E-T-T-I-N-G-E-R, B-E-T-T-I-N-G-E-R. I'm going to do it right now. This mm-hmm. is what anyone's going to do when they hire Morgan. Oh, you're interested in working for my company. Let me Google you. Morgan Benninger. Oh, my God, Morgan. I'm Googling you. Draft lawsuit against UVA. Black Lives Matter activists ruin white students' lives. What, 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 what's going on here, Morgan? You're in Fox News. You're in the New York Post. You're in the Daily Mail. Morgan, Morgan, you're in Reason Mag. Morgan, it says, uh, it says you try to kill protesters, Morgan. Morgan, you're in the Seville Weekly. You're, you're on Reddit. Morgan, Morgan, this is too much attention, Morgan. We can't hire you. These outlets say you try to run over people, Morgan. Yeah. That's what's going to happen to this lady. Mm-hmm. Is there any accountability for someone who claims someone did something, made it up, ruined someone's life, their college career? and negatively impacted their employment, their professional vertical opportunity. Is there any accountability for that kind of behavior? It appears at the University of Virginia, there is not. Yeah, definitely not. And, and I, I even question the, uh, um, the initial UJC trial, because... <clears throat> You're saying, why should UJC be involved in this if this is off-grounds? Well, no, no, no. I, I understand. I understand that because I think they should be involved if she actually did do that. Yeah, no, I understand that it's part of, of how the school works. Okay. The problem here is that by the time they got to the trial, it sounds like uh, it sounds like social media had completely poisoned the well at UVA. In other words, uh, when you in a in a regular courtroom setting, you are supposedly guaranteed a uh, a fair trial. And part of that is not having people who have, who have already you know, made up their minds about the, uh, about the case. And it sounds like everybody at UVA, by the time the trial finally came around, had already been uh, indoctrinated, I guess, so to, so to speak, with, uh, with the point. idea that she was guilty. And so it sounds like even though they agreed that her assessment was the correct one, they still found her guilty, which is troubling. I mean, I, I get that how the university uses this. It's, uh, you know, it's your peers who are, uh, who are making the decisions against you or for you. But uh, in this case, it sounds like, and, and there's additional information about the, uh, about the instruction that the, uh, that the jury was given uh, not being what was originally agreed upon um, 
It just sounds like from start to finish, this is a travesty of justice. There it is. Dylan's rule on Twitter. Dylan's rule says this. This is absolutely crazy. How many times do any of us look at someone and say, phew, thank goodness X was here or X happened. Otherwise, there would have been a disaster. It is absolutely ridiculous that this could have ever been turned into an incident. An example, a few years ago, my wife and I were at a baseball game. A foul ball nearly hit someone, but another fan snagged the ball. The one fan said to the other, thank God you caught that. Otherwise, I would have had a concussion. Yeah, and that statement is not saying, I want to have a concussion. It also says something about us and our culture today that in June of 2020, someone could overhear another person making a comment and then gets back to a third person. That third person then utilizes her social media to publish something about the person. Based on hearsay. Based on hearsay. And then everyone who reads it on social media takes it as absolute fact. And then they Seville the Weekly life. did an article about this. Remember? Is the C- Let's see if I can find it. I bet you I'm Googling Morgan Bettinger and C-Dashville Weekly. And I see the article from July 2020. And the entire depiction of what happened according to the early account. Will mm-hmm. the Sevo Weekly write an article about this? A retraction? A, a, a very late retraction? Will they write a, a retraction that's three years old? The headline says, the fight continues. Downtown rally amplifies voices of black women despite threats. Here it is right here. And literally, Judah, in the fifth paragraph, Morgan's name is mentioned. Will the Seville Weekly write a three-year-old retraction about a story that never happened? Time will tell. All right. Jason Howard, Rio Road. Will the lawsuit be cited by a judge or by a jury trial? An Almoral County jury is a different creature entirely than a UVA undergrad under honor trial. If I was the University of Virginia, I would settle this immediately. Yeah, she's definitely not bringing this to UVA, uh, to a UVA. No, this is not going to UJC. Kangaroo court. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is not a student court. If I was the University of Virginia, I would settle this immediately. Yeah. Settle this immediately. You look terrible, and you're on the wrong side here. Yeah, you, you're on definitely. the side of jumping to conclusions, UVA. You're on the you're on the side of ruining a woman's college career and potentially a professional career. She'll yeah. have to deal with this online for the rest of her life. Yeah, this will. Anytime someone researches her, this will come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2023. Good lord. All right. Next topic. Next topic is from um, Deep Throat. I think Deep Throat's watching now. Um, Yeah, this is genius from Deep Throat. Deep Throat says this. Ready for this? Uh, And then we'll play the video that he put together. I'm sick of the leadership here trying to influence people with decontextualized scare facts. 
He called them Scarefax, in quotes. All right, Deep Throat is a housing advocate. He has promised me, or excuse me, I take that back. I have promised him that I will not reveal his personal identity until he's ready to do it. But one thing I can tell you about Deep Throat is the dude is super legit. <clears throat> the dude is super well-read. The dude knows, knows data, data inside and out. He can really study and analyze data and metrics. He knows zoning and housing locally inside and out. And this guy, who I've had the pleasure of, of, of conversating with a handful of times, puts in the work. He's put together, and you have the video? Yeah. How long is the video? It's about four minutes? Yeah, four and change. He's put together about a four-minute video that we're going to play on this show with his permission. And the headline of the video is Visualizing Charlottesville's Draft Zoning Ordinance. It's basically residents have asked city leadership and its consultants to produce streetscape visualizations. And I'm reading verbatim from his video. But these are streetscape visualizations of plots and blocks redeveloped under the new draft zoning ordinance. He has also encouraged the community, if you would like to see your block, where you live in the city, and what it could potentially become, send him your address. Let him know. And he'll do something similar if he has time um, of, of what we're about to show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're living in a rock, or living under a rock, you may not realize that the city of Charlottesville's basically going to upzone 10.2 square miles and make density uh, a little uh, more possible. Deep Throat says that density comes with collateral damage. And that collateral damage is something that we're not considering every single aspect of it. So why don't we play this video? I want you guys to watch this and to learn. Judah, let's cue that up in three and two and one. Let's play that now. We want to share with you briefly some work we've done on visualizing rezoning in Charlottesville. But first, we want to be clear about what this is not. It's not a claim about aesthetics. Aesthetics are inherently subjective. We make no claim about whether the streetscapes we're about to show you are attractive or unattractive. It is not a forecast of architectural styles. We used fairly generic 3D models, and they're not meant to be a prediction of what styles developers or builders might choose. And it's not a prediction of which lots will get redeveloped. We chose some lots for illustrative purposes only. We don't have any insider knowledge of which lots will get redeveloped if the draft zoning ordinance is passed. What is it then? It's mainly a simulation of mass, height, and coverage. Of course, one can read those dimensional criteria in the draft zoning, but for many people, it's difficult to translate those kinds of abstractions into a concrete understanding. We wanted to fill that gap by providing visualizations. It's a reference for residents as they try to form a view on the ordinance. We tried to capture the zoning parameters and represent them as faithfully as we could, but obviously these visualizations should not be treated as architectural renderings or surveys. So why did we do it? In short, because people asked for it. From the beginning of this process through the recent NDS pop-ups, residents have asked for streetscape visualizations. Unfortunately, they were not forthcoming. Only excuses were provided. We don't think those excuses hold up. We wanted to show that this exercise can be done, and be done relatively easily. What you're about to see cost us little more than several hours of our time. 
We also note that this is just our first set of visualizations. We'll be doing more, and we ask you to let us know if you have any particular blocks that you'd like to see simulated. This is the south side of Rugby Avenue near Rose Hill Drive. We have two adjacent lots, each with a single family home. They are R1 lots. Now we subdivide one of the lots and replace the home with two RB buildings. Here it is with two RC buildings. Finally, here it is with an RC building using the affordable housing bonus. This is the south side of Elliott Avenue facing Avon Street. We replace a single family home with an RC building. Now looking in the other direction, we replace the home on the adjacent lot with another RC building. Finally, across the street on the north side of Elliott Avenue, we replace a single family home with an RC building. Now we show you some flyover simulations that depict entire blocks. This is Elliott Avenue between Avon and 6th. It is an RC zone, and we are adding six buildings on four lots. This is the intersection of Melbourne Road and Grove Road. It is an RC zone, and we have added six buildings on four existing lots. This is Rugby Avenue, just west of Rose Hill Drive. It's an RC zone, and we've added four buildings on three lots. Now we move down Rugby Avenue to the east side of Rose Hill Drive, and we add three RC buildings on three lots. Now we move to Avon Street, just south of the Belmont Bridge, another RC area, and we add several RC buildings. Thus far we focused mainly on residential zones. We did want to show you one commercial corridor. This is Preston Avenue where it meets Grady, and it is a mix of CX-5 and CX-8 parcels. Thanks for watching. If you have questions or comments, or if you have an idea for a block that you'd like to see a visualization of, please reach out to us at the email address on the screen. You can also find links for how to see our research and to sign up for our email distribution list. Great stuff right there from Deep Throat. Great stuff from Deep Throat. We have his permission to air that. Hey, Deep Throat, anything else you want to put together like that, we'll gladly play, man. I found it fantastic. Um, How do you think the community is going to respond if you get a residential neighborhood? You got 2,500 square foot home, 2,500 square foot home, 2,500 square foot home, 2,500 square foot home, 12 unit apartment, 2,500 square foot home, 25. That's going to happen. It's going to be, uh, there's going to be some outcries. There's going to be even more so than now. And I'll say it again those that are living in HOA neighborhoods, if you have an HOA neighborhood, the value proposition of an HOA neighborhood has never been higher. You're protected. And it's not only HOA neighborhoods in the city, it's in Almar County. You got massive value tailwinds behind your neighborhoods because of this. I would expect neighborhoods like Lewis Mountain by Ivy Square Shopping Center, Jefferson Park Avenue, you're not even gonna recognize these neighborhoods. You won't even recognize them. Um, 
Cherry is going to be really different. You'll see West Main be really different. This is going to change Charlottesville in ways that we don't even understand today. And I'm, I'm not convinced it's going to be affordability. I am convinced that the university is going to utilize the additional zoning, the additional bedrooms that come with upzoning to up attendance and enrollment. Ugh. Why wouldn't you just utilize the private sector to create more housing for your students than do it yourself? Just let upzoning and the government give you more bedrooms, then get more kids coming in where you can make more money off them. Yeah. Good stuff from Deep Throat. Anything you want to close with today? Did uh, I tell him Piedmont Place is about to open? I did tell him that, right? Piedmont Place and Crozet's near, nearing uh, opening after the, uh, the flood of the winter. The hotel's open on the 15th. The rest of the business opens soon thereafter. You did good nice. today. You did well. Uh, I want to... Uh, I, <clears throat> I, think I've been, I think I've been giving shout-outs to uh, Johnny Ornelas quite a, quite a bit lately. And, uh, Do you use a gift card? I used the, the I used gift, the gift card. card too. It was great. Thank you, Johnny Ornalis. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it. My we dad love you, I, Johnny. My dad and I had a had a great lunch, and uh, you guys do you guys do it right. There you go, Guadalajara El Mariachi. They do it right. They do do it right. Uh, all right, Monday edition. Judah Wickhauer, Jerry Miller. I love Seville Show on a Monday. Back tomorrow at twelve thirty. Thank you kindly for joining us. So long, everybody. <laughs>